Welcome to the Project Zion podcast. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts Community of Christ offers for today's world. Hello and welcome to Project Zion podcast. This is your host, Robin Linkhart, and today we welcome a very good friend, Katie Langston, with us. Katie is a doubter by nature and a believer by grace. She is the Director of Digital Strategy for Luther Seminary's Innovation Team, where she oversees digital projects aimed at cultivating vibrant Christian spirituality in a postmodern, post-Christian cultural context. She writes and speaks to Christian audiences about Mormonism and to Mormon audiences about Christianity. And she is a popular blogger, podcast guest, and preacher. A pastoral intern preparing for ordination in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, Katie lives in the greater Twin Cities area with her husband, two daughters, and dog Buffy, who of course is named after the Vampire Slayer. Sealed is her first book, and that is exactly why we are here with Katie Langston today to talk about her new book. Welcome, Katie. It's so good to have you with us. Thanks, Robin. It's so good to be here with you. Such a fun opportunity. Katie, let's take a minute now to give the listeners a chance to get to know you better. Tell us a little bit more about you. Sure. Um, Well, I grew up in Utah um, in a pretty devout, uh, conservative, almost, I say almost quasi-fundamentalist Mormon family. That does not mean that my uh, parents practiced polygamy or anything like that. I use fundamentalist in the sort of broader sense of the word, not the Mormon specific sense of the word, just that, you know, um, a pretty hyper literalistic uh, set of beliefs uh, and orthodoxy um, in terms of, you know, in in a Mormon context. Um, So sort of the, you know, the the 20,000 foot view is uh, I grew up in that sort of environment, which had, you know, both gifts and struggles and pain, you know, both, I think all of our upbringings are like that and ended up later in life, you know, becoming a, a, a Lutheran pastor, at least a Lutheran pastor in training. I'm nearing the end of my training, uh, which is not um, exactly the most common trajectory for uh, Mormon girls growing up in conservative homes in Utah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I uh, moved to, we moved to the, my family and I have um, a husband, a couple of daughters and a dog, like you <laughs> mentioned on the, <laughs> when you read the bio, uh, you know, we moved to the Twin Cities um, in 2014 uh, so that I could attend seminary and, um, uh, you know, am now um, working toward becoming a, becoming a pastor. Um, that's the high level stuff. Thanks. Lots of interesting dynamics there that I know we'll delve into deeper as this conversation unfolds. 
As I mentioned in the opener, you just published the book, Sealed, An Unexpected Journey into the Heart of Grace, which is scheduled to release April 6, 2021, which I think is a very uh, interesting (laughs) date since that marks the uh, founding of the Latter-day Saint tradition and in Community of Christ marks the date of the reorganization, which was April 6, 1860. And of course, the original founding of the church was in 1830. So Katie, tell us a little bit about what brought you to writing this book. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, with the date, you know, that was uh, that was only a semi-intentional troll of the Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> what, what ended up happening was uh, we knew we wanted to release it in April and usually books get released on a Tuesday and April 6th just happened to be a Tuesday. So I said, that's the Tuesday in April that we're going to pick because it's too perfect. Um, And I like to tell people that the book is coming out on Mormon Jesus's birthday, which is always like an eye, you know, like (laughs) an eyebrow raiser, which is kind of funny. Uh, Because I don't know if it's community of Christ Jesus's birthday. I I would think it's not, but it it is Mormon Jesus's birthday because somewhere in the Doctrine and Covenants, it says something like, you know, so many years after blah, 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 then Jesus was born on April 6th. And Mormons interpreted that to mean that that was like literally Jesus's birthday. Yeah, I had forgotten. I had forgotten that detail. But no, that did not come down through the reorganization tradition. (laughs) That wasn't one of the strands that you that you pulled forward with. No, no, it's not. Uh, That's hilarious. Uh, But anyway, I digress. Um, Yeah. So the book has actually been like a decade in the making. Um, I started writing this book uh, in 2010. And this was during a period of kind of intense spiritual growth for me. I had recently had an experience of grace that I talk about in the book and that I've shared, I think probably on this podcast and and elsewhere publicly about um, hearing a word of grace kind of for the first time uh, and how that impacted me at a time when I was, um, you know, I was very anxious. Uh, I was a very anxious Mormon. I had, um, in fact, religious scrupulosity, which is a form of obsessive compulsive disorder. I write about that as well. and went to a a lecture by a C.S. Lewis scholar in Logan, Utah, which is my hometown. And he talked about grace. And for some reason, in some way, that penetrated my heart and really revolutionized and transformed the way I thought of myself and the way I thought of God. And so in 2010, so that was was a couple years prior to that. In 2010, I, I decided I wanted to start writing about my experience and trying to, um, I guess, um, synthesize even for myself what had happened there. Now, at that time, I was still a practicing Mormon. Um, I was a, you know, I was a doubting Mormon. What, what ended up happening was experiencing grace and contrasting that with the sort of works-based worthiness system that I had grown up in was a catalyst for, you know, a crisis of faith. Um, So while I was still a practicing Mormon, I was a doubting one and a little bit of a disgruntled one. 
And I thought maybe writing my story would help me sort through some of these things. So I wrote about the first third of the book, kind of about my um, childhood uh, in particular, in, you know, between 2010, 2011, um, and shared some of that with some friends at the time. And then when I tried to write further, I got stuck. And I, I, I realize now it's because um, I hadn't lived <laughs> through <laughs> the end of the story yet. You know, I didn't, I was still in the middle of like figuring out what the ending of the story might be, at least this particular story. There's, you know, many other stories uh, to come, I'm sure. So I put it away for a, like 10 years almost. And then later when I was in seminary and had been continuing to work through, you know, many things theologically and emotionally and spiritually, I reached a point when I felt so compelled to open it, that book, to take that book back out of my filing cabinet and like go find it like from three computers ago, the manuscript <laughs> and start, um, and start working on it again. And so, um, this time the, the work went much faster. Uh, and to a certain extent, I kind of felt like I couldn't do anything but write the book. It was, it was that urgent. It was that pressing, which is, a you know, as an artist, a, a writer, uh, and as a Christian person, um, you know, I was like, okay, <laughs> like God is up to something in this. Uh, and so I listened to that and I, and I, and I wrote, um, I wrote the rest, the, this kind of second, uh, two thirds, I guess that's not the second, the, <laughs> the next two thirds of the book, um, just feeling super compelled to do so um, after I had resolved some things, but then still needed to go back and, and integrate and reflect. That's so fascinating. Our paths crossed, I believe, in about 2013. And I'm not sure, did you attend the first um, feminist Mormon women's retreat, the camp, girls camp in 2013? I didn't attend the I didn't attend that first one because I hadn't been connected into that community at that point, but I attended the second one. Yeah, because we, mm -hmm. we we went we went to one. I remember um, taking you and a friend, another yeah. woman that was going to attend, um, and it might have been 2014. But our paths crossed somehow, and I'm not sure exactly uh, when and where. But um, as I was reading your book. I was trying to um, cross-reference my meeting you and the joy of knowing you and being uh, a witness to part of this journey um, that you describe in your book. And it, it was just so illuminating to kind of put some of those pieces together. So that would have been sometime in 2013, because by 2014, we were seeing each other on and off pretty regularly. Yep. Um, well, and it, I think even in 13, cause you moved in 2014. Yeah. yeah. I think if I remember correctly, I don't remember the exact timing, but I think Lindsay Hanson Park introduced us if I remember, and we went to lunch or something. And then I lived just down the road. If you remember from the Salt Lake community of Christ uh -huh. 
congregation. So I started coming to church and then we started talking all around, you know, that, that time you're, you're in the book, even though I don't think I name you specifically, but the meeting, the women in community of Christ in particular was, you know, was an important part of my. Yeah, that was journey. That was wonderful to read that that section and remember those times together. So we kind of ran around a bit. You came to some of the house churches and meetups and different things for sure. Um, So I I want to go a little bit deeper into this journey of writing the book because all throughout the book, there's for me anyway, there's this sense of God's presence with you and God drawing you in and um, as you state in the book, even though you're in different stages of faith transition or faith crisis, um, you clearly state there was never a sense of not believing or not being aware of God's presence in your life or doubting the existence of a divine creation, however your relationship was looking uh, with the church or with family um, and just all the different adventures that you had uh, throughout the book. And as I was reading through, I'm, and you're very introspective throughout and, and transparent. So it's, it's quite a joy for a reader and a privilege to have that window into this introspection as you're living and experiencing life and faith and the divine presence So one of the questions I came out of after reading the book was your journey of writing the book. And you've shared, you know, you had about a third of it done by 2010, pushed pause, and then more or less felt compelled to birth this story to share Mm -hmm. with the world. Um, Tell us a, a little bit about that journey and how, I mean, how did that impact you in the now as you're revisiting these things? I think um, the process of writing really um, helped me to integrate um, different parts of my experience that had felt kind of disparate and disconnected before. So I, I really felt like the writing process allowed me to reconcile my my Mormon self and my Christian self and and honestly my um, understanding of and relationship to my family, uh, including my, you know, kind of immediate family, my family of origin, uh, but also my ancestors, uh, which is a pretty Mormon theme, actually. But as I went back and was learning more about some ancestors, I write about a little bit, you know, in, in the book, there's sort of a thread that goes through in little vignettes um, about various ancestors. You know, (laughs) I found myself um, longing to know about them uh, as Christians because growing up Mormon, your ancestors need to become Mormon. You have to baptize them Mormon, right? That that's part of the identity so that the past becomes Mormon and sort of eradicates in a sense what was there. And then the present and the future are Mormon because that's what you're marching toward. And to go back and reclaim the Christianity of my ancestors and in all of its complexity, right? There's Puritans and there's 
Salem witch. <laughs> I've got ancestors that were killed in the Salem witch trials and there's martyrs and there's, you know, I mean, it's not like it's a rose. It's not an all, it's not all a rosy picture of the past, but to recognize that my roots, my roots personally, and this isn't the same for everyone who comes out of the Mormon tradition, but my roots aren't Mormon. My roots are, you know, Protestant and Catholic and and to reclaim that history when I had sort of baptized the Mormon before um, was a piece of integration that I didn't know that I needed before I started writing. And, you know, the, the journey itself was a process of just kind of listening uh, to what would come up. So you write something and then what comes up next? And I would write something and what comes up next? And it, it sort of flowed. That's not to say there wasn't some pretty specific work that went into then revising and crafting and shaping the narrative in terms of, you know, in time and when do I put certain scenes and that sort of thing. There was some certainly a lot of intentionality in that. Um, but I felt the whole time as if I was tapping into something um, that was uh bigger and beyond myself. Um, and that really helped. That was really healing, actually. Yeah. And I think um, the end of the book really brings that home in such a powerful way, at least for me, as I was reading that. And I have to say, Katie, you have a gift of language and articulation. Um, you used the word artist a little bit earlier in our conversation. You are a true artist of the language. Um, you have an ability to paint pictures that we might see visually, but also um, to paint an image of feelings or those things that aren't tangible as you go along. And then just this... Uh, the rhythm of the way you write and the way you thread um, these other things, like some of your ancestors or, or stories that are a backdrop to the narrative that we're following in, in the immediate focus is just so artistically done. I was aware of some of your gifts of music and theater and course you talk about that to some degree as well throughout this because it's a big part of your life and developing and expressing those gifts in your life but they certainly come to play in your writing such a beautiful beautiful uh, way of of communicating through the written word oh thank you thank you thank you so just for our readers katie can you just kind of give us like a high level meta-narrative arc of, of your story that is uh, told so eloquently in this book? Hmm. Yeah, so like the five-second version is it's the story of uh, an anxious Mormon girl becoming a Lutheran minister. <laughs> the deeper, you know, the deeper um, answer to that question is that it's a journey of transformation um, of um, and a meditation really on grace and belonging, um, that those are sort of major themes of the book and wrestling with, um, a sense of 
uh, unworthiness, which I think a lot of people struggle with. I think Mormon people struggle with it a lot j- just because of the nature of Mormon culture and teaching. Um, and I think everyone, Mormon or not, you know, sort of has this fear <laughs> that they're unworthy uh, and um, and maybe need to hide or act out or any number of things, you know, in order to sort of um, suppress that the the shame that they might experience. Uh, and, and the way in which that sense of fear and shame, um, and of being unworthy, uh, can be transformed and healed by the unconditional love of God and how it was in my life and how that unfolded. Um, you know, I, 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 I would be devastated if someone were to read the book and come away with it as like, Mormon bad Lutheran good, right? Because that's not actually what it's about. Um, that's not actually what the story is meant to be. It's, it's, it's I hope, um, a nuanced and loving reckoning <laughs> with Mormonism and Mormon culture, um, as well as the recounting uh, in faithful and honest ways of what God has done in my life by the grace of God and Jesus. Yeah, I think that that, um, the compassionate posture from which you write comes through clearly, as well as your willingness to tell the truth, to be authentic. And I think there's such power in being able to see the truth and name the things that are not healthy for us as humanity as well as to ultimately see that almost never is there a situation that's all good or all bad. And as you come full circle to that and working through your own sense of integration and reconciliation of relationship and things that just didn't fit, um, you come full circle to that and you're able to, from your place and time that you stand now to look back and claim the gifts of your Mormon heritage and claim the gifts of your family. And, and, you know, none of us have perfect families, even though we spend a lot of time thinking we do or that we don't and other people do, <laughs> other people do, um, which to me was uh, in essence, a window into grace itself. Mm. Um, cool. And, and so healing, um, like you've said, you have a particular history and context uh, and place and time that you were born and grew up in. And even though Mormonism is a particular worldview and a lived experience, um, the struggles that we find are not dissimilar to what many, many, many of us struggle with, um, like thinking we have to be perfect or um, good enough, those, those things that peck at our human spirits and prevent us often from claiming the all of who we are and, Mm. and living into that. I was really touched by your story with your grandmother, your grandmother Ackerman. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but I think it might have been in 2015. uh, You came back to uh, Utah 
to attend Sunstone uh, Summer Symposium, and um, you actually were staying with me up in Bountiful, and as we drove up um, the hill towards um, Penny's house, we got to a place and you said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, my grandmother lived near here. And you said, oh, can we turn here? And so we took a turn and and you remembered, you know, which way to go. And then we came to the house and I, I just remember seeing in you this this really vibrant and vital connection with her and how important that was to you without, I knew none of the background other than she was your grandmother. So when I was reading your book, I remembered that and I thought, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this is, this is so important. Um, these kinds of connections and obviously that relationship with her and finding your way to fully embracing who she was as a person, which you already loved and embraced, but her own faith journey and how mm-hmm. that played into yours and your story of, of reconciliation and finding your place in that. Yeah. Just uh, like how she had an opposite journey in a lot of ways, right? Like she mm-hmm. came from a Methodist background and converted to Mormonism. And I was born Mormon as a result of that and left and, I didn't become Methodist, but, you know, sort of in Mm -hmm. a similar um, kind of mainline Protestant trajectory. And to reconcile how is it possible, is it possible (laughs) that God was in both journeys? Yeah. You know, and and how that was a really um, difficult and animating question for me because of how deeply I loved my grandmother. Yeah. That was a beautiful dimension of your story. So Katie, as you think about this book, one of the questions that I have is, is who are you writing this book to and what are your hopes for the readers? And I recognize that may not be a question that has one definitive answer and maybe it's even evolved for you and continues to, but um, what would your response be to that question? I think on one level, <laughs> the the book is a love letter to the Mormons, and it's actually, uh, in particular, uh, at it in my heart is are Mormons who have gone through difficult like crises of faith. You know, that's such a difficult experience for a lot of people, and in the process, those folks a lot of times understandably and sometimes you know right rightfully lose any sense of the divine uh or end up so wounded by you know things that have happened to them in the name of god that they don't even want to go near that um which is an impulse i understand even as someone who like i said in the book i never stop believe i stop believe i I stopped believing God for like two days and it was a really crappy two days. <laughs> Don't talk about that in the book, but like in my whole life, right? Like I've just always kind of believed in God. Um, but, but, you know, there are, there are folks who have, um, uh, who have had really negative experiences uh, in the name of God and have been abused actually in the name of God. And, um, and so on the one, you know, I, I hope that my writing this book um, and as 
personal <laughs> and as detailed as I've been about my own experience grappling with some of those things that it might show um, a way, not the way, but a way through. It might show a way through. Uh, and that it, in that sense, it could be a value of some folks who are coming out of Mormonism in particular are really wrestling with their Mormon experience or identity. So that's, you know, that's one group of readers that's been on my heart. Um, another group is, you know, just um, there are a lot of uh, folks who don't understand Mormonism very well, who are on the outside um, of of Mormon culture. So these could be, you know, possibly folks who go to church and possibly people who don't, you know, like, um, but, but people who are curious about Mormonism and would like to, would like to know more about it, would like to kind of understand the culture and, and, um, you know, the, the people a little bit better. And so my hope is that it could, it could kind of shed some light um, for those folks as well. And then sort of the third kind of audience is just people who enjoy spiritual memoir. I think that, you know, that, um, uh, or spiritual, like to hear spiritual stories. I think that we all grow and we all, I like, I love to hear and to read um, about other people's journeys, especially when they take twists and turns that seem kind of foreign to me, you know, or that I, I don't, uh, that, that haven't been my experience to, to be able to read about someone else's experience and to kind of get my imagination expanded about what's possible and how people make meaning and if or how they find God, you know, and where they, where do they find that meaning and where do they find God? Like, I think that there's something um, really um, inspiring and challenging and, you know, uplifting and worthwhile in, in hearing and reading those stories. So um, even if someone has no connection whatsoever to Mormonism or to Christianity, but just, you know, enjoys reading about spiritual stories and spiritual journeys, I hope that, um, you know, that they'll find value as well. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm thinking um, about people who come out of other very fundamentalist conservative expressions of Christianity, um, many of whom we've encountered on this road of faith and life who have similar woundedness and how Mm. there will be intersection with those readers. Uh, and hearing you talk about spiritual memoirs, I'm I'm thinking of writers like Sue Monk Ken, who's been around a long time, Barbara Brown Taylor, but you know more recently Nadia Boltz Weber, Rachel Held Evans, uh, real and others. Just really strong women of faith who've had similar journeys of uh, deconstructing and reconstructing and exploration and just the deep, deep questions and how they have come through to the other side and and continue this ongoing journey of faith. Katie, how has writing your story, um, you've talked a little bit about it, how it's impacted um, your faith journey or been really an important part of the spiritual formation, faith formation, and as you've gone along, um, how has it impacted relationships in your lives, in your life, or other dimensions of your life that you're living as you're writing this? Well, I <laughs> I heard some, I think it might have been Joanna Brooks, but I can't remember, so I don't want to misquote 
her or anyone, but I, I heard someone say once, no one wants a family member to become a memoirist. <laughs> and I'm sure that's true. Oh my, my goodness. <laughs> You know, my my husband has read the book and he um, he enjoyed it and, you know, liked it. And I, I wouldn't have. Uh, you know, he I would I was like, you know, if there's something you need me to that you don't like in here, I'm not going to like blow up my marriage over a book. Um, but there was nothing. He he really enjoyed it and appreciated it. Um, my parents haven't read it yet. Um, my mom says she's going to read it before she lets my dad read it <laughs> just to see <laughs> if he can god bless them um sounds like a good plan i i agree i think that that is exactly how it should go um you know so I, i'll be i'll be interested to see um you know because there are some taboos that i kind of violate in this book by talking about you know temple things and worthiness interviews and you know I'm aware that that's in there and so I'll be curious um and I'm kind of girding my loins as it were against the (laughs) you know potential um you know sort of back backlash if it if it comes and and uh and that will be hard um but we'll just have to kind of you know deal with those um if and as they come at the same time, you know, writing it helped me find more compassion for family members that we might have had strained relationships or I might have been frustrated with or whatever. Um, again, just sort of that process of um, of integration um, and finding, you know, finding um, wholeness and and understanding um, more a deeper understanding of myself, deeper understanding of important relationships and people in my life. So I, um, I hope that it will be all positive in the end. I, I'm not, I think naive enough to expect only positive (laughs) kind of impacts, uh, relationally. Um, but I hope it'll open doors to conversations, even difficult conversations that maybe need to be had, um, that are never fun, uh, necessarily, but, but can be important, you know, um, catalysts for growth. So were, were there any surprises along the way as you wrote this book? Um, and, and also, I recognize I'm one of the lucky people that, that you allowed to have an early copy of the book, and, and there are others. Uh, what kind of responses have you gotten from other folks who have read the book? So any surprises along the way? And then what are some of the responses from those who have been able to read it early? Oh, thanks. Um Good questions. Um, yeah, definitely some surprises in terms of, um, you know, I don't give any spoilers, but kind of going through and realizing, oh, that's what was going on at this point. Like there's a, there's a part where I didn't piece together until I was writing the book that during a period of my time, a period of time in my life, I was grieving the loss of someone. And it wasn't until like, you know, 20 years later and I'm right. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's why I was feeling that. That's what that was. That was grief. Right. But at the time I hadn't known that I could name that. And so, you know, just just experiences like that or 
there was something about just writing the whole thing out and then going back and being like, holy smokes, like, yeah, that's what happened. Like, that's crazy that that's what happened, <laughs> you know, and, and um, things that hurt so bad, you know, that hurt so badly at the time, even woundedness from like my childhood or, you know, things like that, that I had regretted or had wished had gone differently, you know, sort of a surprise to be like, oh, actually no longer wish that that had gone differently. Like, I'm okay that that happened the way that that happened. It's, it's, it's now part of, it's now integrated, right? Not saying that it was good that it happened, not saying that I would want it to happen to someone else, but I no longer wish I could change it for myself. Um, and that was a surprise. Um, and then, um, and then again, I don't want to give spoilers, but the end, um, and the, um, well, I'll just talk, it talks a bit about baptism and, um, my experience of being baptized, uh, as an adult. Um, I was not expecting the, just cascade of healing that that experience was for me. I thought, yeah, it'll be good. You know, I should do this. Um, but it, it blew me away the way it changed me, uh, physically. I felt a physical change in my body. Um, and that was a, you know, that was a huge surprise. (laughs) I wasn't expecting it. So, yeah. And your uh, response from early readers, has that been largely positive, I would imagine? Yeah. I mean, um, I have gotten some really positive feedback from folks now. You know, of course, they're all hopefully, you know, the, the, the early readers are the ones that are maybe a little bit more biased to liking it anyway, because they <laughs> they're friendly sources. But I've had I've had lots of people tell me they can't put it down, which is really uh cool that's really um you know i have lots of people say well i started reading this and i finished it in two days because i just had to keep reading it um which is a which is a storyteller i'm like oh good you know (laughs) because there are sometimes there are books that are you're they're good but they're a bit of a slog you know and it's like all right i'm gonna get through this book because it's good for me to read this book you know like eating my broccoli um but you know, I've had lots of feedback that folks have just, they've sort of flown through it, um, which has been gratifying. And then other people sharing that, um, that it named or articulated something in their own experience, helped them reconcile or understand something about themselves a little bit more deeply. That was, um, that was really helpful. Um, and other folks have said, you know, that they, you know, that they, like the writing, which is a writer is, a is, you know, one of the mo- more gratifying things to hear. Like the prose is good. Yay. <laughs> Glad the prose is good. So some of those, some of those kinds of comments have been really exciting for me to, to hear. Yeah. The, uh, my experience was similar to what you've said. I, I uh, sat down and I read it in, in one reading. I mean, it just wow. uh, started, I kind of did a preview when I first got the um, document, um, some things that you had pointed out, and I just kind of went through, read the preface. But when it was time to read the book, I sat down and it was just, it was like um, having this 
bounty of your most favorite foods in front of you on a table, you know, like maybe on Christmas day and you just dive in and go for it. And that's was my experience with the book was just taking it all in. And I read and did not stop until I got to the end. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And there were some Kleenexes involved along the way. So (laughs) (laughs) as well as laugh out loud moments. But it was, it was a joy-filled and deep experience for me as well. Oh, thank you. So, Katie, is there anything that you would like to share about this book or your experience writing this book that I haven't asked you about today? I think just like um, I would encourage people to, um, you know, to, to, to get to know and to write or tell their own stories. Um, I think um, stories um, express the deeper truths of the human experience in ways that nothing else can, right? There's a reason Jesus told stories. Um, There's a reason that the Bible, with some exceptions, is a book full of stories, right? And poetry and and literature and art that, that there's when you're trying to get at something like making meaning of a human life, you can't intellectualize your way through that like alone, right there to tell the story, to craft, to, to, to say this was a beginning and a middle and an end, or maybe it's an open-ended ending, right. Um, to, um, that, that there's something really powerful in that. And then to share your story with other people as well is, is really, I think, an important thing to being um, whole. And for those of us who maybe have a perspective that the sort of the arc of the universe, that the story arc of the universe is one of mercy and justice and grace and peace, um, stories are the best way for us to convey that to others. I think, you know, it's not, uh, you're not going to get there through arguments. Um, you're not going to get there through, you know, logic necessarily. I mean, those are helpful, but at the end of the day, if we want to invite people into a life of mercy and a life of justice and a life of peace, I think we do that best through story. Beautiful. One thing I want to share before we bring this interview to a close and something that probably most of our listeners aren't aware of is that Katie was a big part of Project Zion podcast happening. In fact, without Katie, I'm not sure we would have Project Zion podcast. So before she and her family moved to Minnesota, Lindsay Hansen Parks approached me um, with the idea of had we ever considered um, in Community of Christ doing a podcast series and uh, convinced me that that there might be merit to thinking about that idea. I reached out to Katie, um, aware of her gifts, and I think you were involved with a company that and maybe you were already doing some podcasting or at least uh, ventures yeah. with podcasting, um, invited you into conversation with me and to be a sojourner on exploring this idea. Um, and we, we kind of journeyed with that close to a year. We even did a, a 
sunstone presentation and a flyer, oh, you know, yeah. um, the name, oh, yeah. the name <laughs> of the podcast came out of our conversations together online, yeah. uh, through Facebook and, uh, and you were part of our early launch of interviews, uh, hosted several and all of our, uh, our, uh, extra shot, um, episodes, your voice is on the intro. So, oh yeah. <laughs> so I want to invite our listeners to uh, take a peek at Project Sign Podcast and our files. If you'd like to hear more from Katie, um, she also shares a few of her sermons. She's an eloquent uh, speaker and a gifted preacher. And as I was reading your book, I remembered that you interviewed your Old Testament professor, who I believe um, became one of your really critically important mentors, Yes, uh, did an interview with her, which is on Project Zion podcast. So yeah, that's one of my, I, that's a go-to. So the, the podcast interview with Catherine Schifferdecker on what is a prophet. Um, Mm -hmm. she, and that's, I, I send that to folks, uh, a lot actually like Mormon people wrestling because prophets are such a big question. Um, like, uh, so anyway, that's, that's a good one. You should go listen to that one. Plus Catherine's brilliant. She is. Yes. Alrighty. Well, Katie, I want to thank you so much for being with us today, sharing about your new book, um, sealed an unexpected journey into the heart of grace, which again, listeners, that's due to release on April 6th of 2021. It's available on amazon.com. Um, anything you want to say about your publisher, Katie, or any other notes on where folks can find the book? Yeah, you should be able to find it on all the kind of major um, publishing sites, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, bookshop.org, if you'd rather um shop indie or indie bound it's available there as well that you can order um from your local independent bookseller and uh yeah if you want to learn a little bit more about it you can go to my website which is katielangston.com um and you can you can see some of the rev- the early reviews and pre-order there um and then um thornbush press is the name of the publisher it's a new indie theological press that Um, I'm honored and delighted to be partnering with for the release of this book. That is great, Katie. And thank you again for being with us. Thanks so much to all of you, our listeners, for sharing a part of your day with us today. This is your host, Robin Linkhart, and you are listening to Project Zion Podcast. Go out and make the world a better place. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. 